0: the Thanksgiving edition of the Eye Test for Two. I'm Clark Judge, along with Ira Kaufman and our producer, Ian Glendon. Ira and I are both Hall of Fame voters. Ian, of course, makes this show happen. And I said this is the Thanksgiving edition, Ira, but actually it's the Hall of Fame edition too because A, the Hall of Fame just released its names of 25 semifinals for the class of 2021, which is pretty cool. And then, B, we've got a Hall of Fame finalist with us today, and that would be the coaches' candidate for the class of 2021, Tom Flores. So, yeah, it's Thanksgiving. It's also Hall of Fame, and it's going to be fun, era It's going to be fun.
1: You know, Clark, even though there's 25 names on this list that we are going to detail on yeah. this podcast That is a heck of a distinction to make it because the cut was from over 100 names. 130. when you go from 100 to 25, Clark, you're bypassing a lot of very good football players. That's right, 130 names,
0: and now it's to 25. And uh, it is a noteworthy list that we're going to get to. But first, we've got some special guests with us here today, Ira. And Ian, if you could bring them into the studio, please do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, turkeys, that's right, we've got some turkeys. And you know what happens this time every year? Every year, guys, the President of the United States gets a chance to pardon some turkeys, one, two, I don't know, but I think this year it's two. Uh, corn and cob. believe it or not, but they're two turkeys they're gonna pardon. But I thought, listen, if the President can do it, why can't we do it, right? I mean, why should he be the only one to do it? Besides which, well, he's not even gonna be here after January. You know what, we can and we will today, right now. So what I'm gonna do, Ira, Ian, I'm gonna ask each one of you to pardon something, anything from this fall, this fall football season, this pandemic, whatever you want for Thanksgiving day. Now, Ira, I'm gonna start with you. Who are you gonna pardon?
1: What are you gonna pardon? Clark, I'm gonna make your day right here. I got a big fat 22 pound bird. For the NFC East. And why is it 22 pounds, Clark? I don't know. Because, because that is going to be the cumulative win total of those four <laughs> imposters. And, Clark, here's why they're turkeys. Somebody's going to win this damn thing with about six wins. Right. And, Clark, you know what's coming. A six-win division champ will play host That's right. to a 10-win NFC wildcard team. And Clark, that just doesn't
0: seem right. Doesn't seem right. But in 2010, Ira, what happened in Seattle? They beat the defending champion, New Orleans Saints. Okay, Ian, you're next. Who are you
2: going to pardon? What are you going to pardon? I I am going to pardon Belichick, the GM. The guy who has taken quite a a kick in the rear end lately about his Pro Bowl drafting ability. Pro Bowl turned Madden tournament in 2020 mind you um given all the circumstances i think the split personality that people have turned belichick into he is belichick the coach belichick the gm i'm gonna pardon one of those personalities and say belichick the gm i'll let this year slide for you i'll let you go let's let, let's see what you got next year
0: i like it i'm not so sure bill would like it He'd just say we're moving <laughs> on we're moving on yeah, we're okay moving well, for on. me I, I was actually I was going to name the Jets, who were you know zero and ten and
1: always a good
0: pick, Clark. Always and a good pick for Trevor, pick. yeah. And taking, but <laughs> but then I moved on to Carson Wentz, who leads the league in sacks, interceptions, and fumbles. But but you know what, guys? Then I saw the Christmas tree at Rockefeller
1: Center. Have oh. you guys seen it? Have you seen it? It's like a That's Charlie my hometown Brown tree. over there, Clark. Don't it's be like taking a, pot shots of my boys. It's like a Charlie Brown tree. I've never seen. It's the perfect tree for 2020. It's the perfect tree.
0: Holes everywhere. And guess what? They found an owl in it. They found a northern saw <laughs> owl in it. And it was discovered by a worker there, mentioned to his wife. And you know what she did? She took it to a wildlife center and that thing's gonna be rehabilitated and released. And that's why they get a pardon. So congratulations guys. Ian, you can take the guests. You can send them out of here.
1: Ira, do you speak Turkey?
0: Do you understand what they're saying?
1: I cannot believe what's going on at that rock center tree, Clark. <laughs> I can't believe it. People come from all over the world to look <laughs> at this gorgeous, beautiful tree. And that tree looks very sickly at the moment. It looks very really sickly. sickly. Anyway,
0: hey, Ian, do me a favor. Um, get the, the turkeys out of the studio, please. Maybe you could send them. Um, you guys are living in the Tampa Bay area, right? Ian, you're in Tampa Bay area, right? St. Petersburg? Yeah.
2: Cool. yeah. yeah Beautiful t- down take, here.
0: Yeah, take it. maybe take them over to the TROP. You can uh, help Kevin Cash with his analytics. Uh, or Ara, you're in Tampa. Maybe take them to one Bucks place and... Help him with a play calling, for God's sakes. Okay, anyway, enough of that. We mentioned 25 semifinalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame's class of 2021, and that's why we're here today. So we're going to go down the list, and then we're going to dissect the list. So I'll start with offense. Uh, We've got a quarterback named Peyton Manning. Yeah, I kind of like his chances. Uh, Running back Fred Taylor, wide receivers Hines Ward, Reggie Wayne, Torrey Holt, Calvin Johnson, a.k.a. Megatron, And then we're going to have offensive linemen, Alan Fanica, Tony Baselli, and, yes, hallelujah, Cincinnati, Willie Anderson. Ari, you want to do the defense?
1: All right. We start with Eric Allen, cornerback. Jared Allen, defensive end, first year eligible. Rondé Barber, back for the fourth time as a semifinalist. Cornelius Bennett, first time as a semifinalist. Right. Leroy Butler, the outstanding safety of the Packers. We've got Rodney Harrison, another safety, who is making his first appearance on the semifinalist list. John Lynch, back for the ninth time. Who, sorry, who, was, that?
0: who was that? I'm sorry. Who that was, was that? John
1: Lynch. That was John Lynch. <laughs> uh, Clay Matthews, uh, that durable linebacker. Sam Mills, heck of an inside linebacker. Richard Seymour, a uh, cornerstone on some great New England defenses. From the special teams. Clark, we've got Steve Hasker. And, and, you, and
0: you you forgot to mention friend of the show, Bryant Young. Bryant oh, Young. I, I haven't gotten there yet.
1: I oh. haven't gotten there yet. I'm going Sorry. alphabetically, my friend. Oh, uh, I apologize. Zach Thomas, uh, Clark, Zach Thomas, Dolphins linebacker. Um, Patrick Willis, outstanding short short career. But boy, was he, uh, was he a player for the 49ers. Uh, Charles Woodson, of course who uh, we would not be surprised get in his first year of eligibility. Darren Woodson, big numbers for the Cowboys at safety. And your man, Bryant Young, the more you look at him, Clark, the more you like. Now, Clark is a special teamer. Nick Lowry did not make it. And I think you and I checked him off our list.
0: We, We did. We did. I voted for him. You voted for him. Uh, disappointed with that, but nice to see Tasker there. Um, and I mentioned, by the way, for our listeners, the reason I stopped Ira with John Lynch, he's the guy that presents him. <laughs> and he's presented him seven times than a finalist. So I don't know what you got up your sleeve this year, Ira, because I've heard it all before. You have anything new when he gets into that room as one of the 15? You got something new for us this year we
1: haven't heard before? You know what I got new, Clark? And I think it's enough to put him over the top. How do you like that? I got Tony Dungy and Bill Polian in the room or on the Zoom call or however we're going to do it. And not only are those two votes for John Lynch, those are two big advocates for John Lynch. So obviously, I can't convince you, but maybe Bill Polian can, Clark. (laughs) That would be friend of the show, Bill Polian, and
0: friend of the show, Tony Dungy. Thank you very much. Okay, our... Your reaction to this list, just your overall
1: reaction. Uh, I'm, I'm immediately drawn, Clark, to the guys that have been eligible for a long time, but are making their first appearance on the list. I'm talking about you, Eric Allen, Willie Anderson, Cornelius Bennett, and Rodney Harrison. Clark, quickly, Bill Belichick told me in January in Canton, when I asked him about John Lynch, he said, I can't talk to you about John Lynch because I'm waiting for Rodney Harrison. Rodney Harrison was a fantastic football player. I'm quoting Bill Belichick. And Bill Belichick doesn't talk like that about a lot of players. He loves Rodney Harrison for good reason. Cornelius Bennett, cornerstone of Buffalo defenses that went to Super Bowl for straight years, Clark. Um, Willie Anderson, uh, a member of a franchise that has been overlooked the Cincinnati Bengals, you've got Anthony Munoz, and then you've got nothing. And Eric Allen Clark, just a consummate pro, played for some different teams. Boy, was he a good defensive back.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Now, are lucky for you, Bill Belichick's not one of the voters because I guess he'd be putting Ronda Harrison on his ballot ahead of John Lynch, which means you'd be waiting another year. Um, and secondly... I thought Bruce Smith was a cornerstone of that Buffalo defense. I, I said a cornerstone. Now <laughs> what, what, jump, Clark? what jumps out at you uh, on this list? Uh, Willie Anderson, honestly, because like you said, Cincinnati is the most neglected franchise of the 32 in that room. It can't really hasn't paid much attention to them. They've got one player in there who spent most of his career with the Bengals who spent most of his career. Cause people say, well, oh, by Terrell Owens, Charlie Joyner, most of his career. He just happens to be maybe the greatest tackle of all time. Well, what about Ken Anderson, Willie Anderson? Let's go down the list. You know, Ken Ken to. Yeah, and Lamar Parrish. Fortunately, Willie Anderson's in there, and I think that's a testament to a Hall of Fame voter, Jeff Hobson, who's talked long about right tackles, how can he can't get in. Because he's a Bengal, because he's a right tackle, or because of both? Maybe it's because of both, but I'd like to see him in the room to discuss his candidacy. The other guy is Clay Matthews. This is his 20th year of eligibility, Aaron. You know what that means. That's it. This is it. I mean, this is the end of the road. If he doesn't make it into camp now, he moves to the senior pool. And maybe you can tell our listeners what's so difficult
1: and really not good about going to the senior pool. Because you can be easily overlooked and forgotten about once you do it. You know, Clark, I, I always bring up Bob Kuchenberg. Kuchenberg, Eight years in a row as a finalist, and then one year he drops out of sight, yeah. and he goes into the senior pool, and he never got in Clark, and now he passed away. Uh, Joe Jacoby, Clark, it happened to him a few years ago. Did we it? don't know about the future of Joe Jacoby.
0: You're right, and and there are, I think, Rick Goslin of the Talk of Fame Network, who I work with, um, had a list of 59, 59 all-decade players among the seniors, 59. You can only bring out one every year. It's ridiculous. And so we put guys like Joe Jacoby in there and then just forget about them. And you look at the number of people in there. I I just don't get me. Drew Pearson's out there for years until finally this year, you guys, and I was a member of the senior committee, you brought him out. You know, good for you guys. I'm glad you did that. But there's so many others. I mentioned to you, Al Wistert, you know, he's a nine-year pro. Eight of those years, he was an all-pro. Played on two championship teams, the Eagles. 48, 49 was the captain. I think they had two shutouts in both those games. Anyway, he's been neglected. And I thought, I just thought he would be a member of the Centennial class. He was passed over. But there are numbers Clark, of people like that.
1: Clark, one of your favorites, Randy Gratishar. Uh, oh, Randy absolutely. Gratishar.
0: absolutely. And and I mean, just go down the list, Ira. And, that, and that's a sad thing because I do have a feeling Clay Matthews may not make the cut to 15. I'd love, at least love to hear his case discussed because if it's not it's going to be discussed there, he moves into that senior pile, and maybe one of these days, one of these years, one of these decades, the senior committee brings him out. I, I would hope that's not the case. I just like to hear
1: his case discussed here. Hey, um, Clark, I, Clark, I want to ask you about two pass rushers. Um, yeah. Now, look, two Buck defenders made it in Rondé Barber and John Lynch. Right. Who the man who got away was Simeon Rice. Right. And Clark, there's another guy out there who you're well familiar with named Leslie O'Neill, and didn't make it. Clark, these are big time pass rushers absolutely I mean, in fact
0: i was gonna ask you the biggest surprise here uh, for you the biggest disappointment to me was leslie o'neill i i just don't understand 132 and a half sacks for his career that ties him with oh yeah lawrence taylor and leslie o'neill has been a semifinalist i think our once just once um that's a big disappointment to me but uh let me ask you about biggest surprise first biggest surprise on this list
1: um I'm I'm kind of with you on Leslie O'Neill, um, Nick Lowry. I mean, I'm a little surprised. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean that doesn't mean I thought he would advance to the 15 finalists, um, but I think I I was hoping he would crack the 25. Clark, you look at his numbers, and you mentioned this uh, a week ago. They're better than Jan Stenerud's. They're a lot better than Jan Stenerud's. Right. Now Stenerud was, um, you know, he was a difference maker at the time, the soccer style kicker. Uh, from the 60s i understand that but nick lowry clark one of those guys like bryant young the more you look the more interesting he becomes
0: yeah from 1980 through 1992 the most accurate kicker in the game had 57 more field goals than hall of famer morton anderson when he retired he was a leading scorer I, I don't know what's missing about him. Plus, he went to Dartmouth College, my alma mater. So I, he had my vote. Um, there you go. I, I, I don't understand it. But this was also his last year of modern era eligibility. What I do understand is that the Hall's voters, of which we are two, two of the 48, they're loath to move on specialist. And that's why you mentioned Steve Tasker. I'm glad he's in here. I, he's been here before. I think this is his eighth time as a semifinalist. I'd love to see him get to the final 15 just to have his case discussed just so we can weigh the pros and cons. We don't get that far. He always stops right here, but we only have three specialists in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Stunneru, Morton Anderson, and Ray Guy. But it took Ray Guy, you know, like 25 years or 26 years, whatever it was, to get in. He was at the time, as you know, Ira, one of only two members of the 75th anniversary team, not in Canton. He was good enough to be on the 75th anniversary team, but not in Ken, can- and the other, Billy White Choose Johnson. What do they have in common? Specialist. And you remember the discussion on Morton Anderson. When people were hedging, there was a voter in there, I'm not going to name him, but a guy that you and I are familiar with said, Why don't we just say it? We're not going to put in punters or kickers, all right? This was the best kicker in the game for two decades, first team all decade, twice. And he's the leading all time scorer, but we're not going to put him in. Let's just say we're not going to put these guys in. And that galvanized the room to say, No. We are going to put them in. And, and Morton Anderson
1: got in. And Clark, uh, if Tasker is fortunate enough to make it to the room, Clark, his presenter faces an immense challenge in terms of not a lot of stats, Clark, not yep. a lot of stats for Steve Tasker. That's He's right. a guy that passes the eye test, Clark, what? the eye test. I'm sorry, the, the what? The eye test for two, my
0: friend. <laughs> You got it. And today, the eye test for three with Ian. And Ian, you heard that list. I know you're not among the Hall of Fame voters, but do you have any any reaction to it? I mean, any um, surprise, I, disappointment that we go? I, Whoa! I didn't see that coming.
2: You know, I'm I'm more interested to see how and, and we're starting to see it. The, the first wave of this Patriots run, some of the core players have, have started to become eligible. Obviously, we know Ty Law, uh, but you mentioned Richard Seymour. Um, he's obviously an interesting case. He's a guy who doesn't pop up on the stat sheet, but pass, certainly passes the eye test and is one of the you know best defenders in, in that early run for the Patriots. And Rodney Harrison, another yeah. key contributor. So it, it 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 it's a it's almost a fitting end or uh, putting a bow, uh, or to put a bow on this whole run for them because now you're talking about the finality of it. Okay, who's going to ultimately be those Hall of Fame players from that Patriots dynasty. And,
1: you know. And, uh, Ian, uh, Ian, those early Patriots Super Bowl winning teams were built on defense. That's defense, correct. Yes. right, Ian?
2: Defense and right. a, a very uh, efficient, mistake-free offense Your, relative to the time. I mean, obviously, I think interceptions across the league were up a little bit. So, like, a 10-interception a season in 2002 was, was pretty impressive, um, but yeah, that, those those key guys, those Ty Laws, the Brewskis, the the Richard Seymours. You know, Rodney Harrison was a, a huge part of the second run or the second uh, two Super Bowl, the second and third Super Bowl. So um, it'll be interesting to see if anyone else from that group, uh, maybe offensively, the offensive line, uh, gets a little love. But I, I'm not. I don't think so. I I, I think it's mostly going to be offense or defense and Tom Brady.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. And I, you can correct me if I'm wrong here if you don't agree with me. But um, Richard Seymour, I think, has got a real shot this year of making the final five inductees. He was the final 10 guy, top 10 guy last year. That generally puts you in the launching pad for the succeeding season, you know, succeeding year. And this is 2021 now, another year. Top five are gone. The new, the next five, John Lynch was one of those in the next five. But Richard Seymour was there, and I think he's got a shot. The problem I've got with Rodney Harrison, I think people in that room may have, I think he's worthy. I, and I really would like to hear his case discussed. I think he's generally perceived as a dirty player.
1: And I think that may hurt him. You know, one point Clark about Seymour that I'm with you on. I love his versatility. Yes. And I think that sets him apart equally effective inside and at defensive end. That's pretty darn rare. Absolutely. He doesn't have the big numbers, but what
0: does he pass? The eye test for two, my friend. You got it. And Ian, quickly, would you agree on that assessment of Harrison? Because, listen, I watched him in San Diego. used to cover that team. Terrific player. I know how invaluable he was to the Patriots. Also racked up a lot of fines. And I think maybe some of the people outside of those area codes would say,
2: oh, yeah, I remember
0: him. Big hitter. Um, One-dimensional player. Big hitter. Dirty player.
2: Yeah, I mean that—that that was always his reputation, even when he came over to the Patriots, and you know that—that—that that, that was kind of with him the entire time. But you know, given the 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 game at at the time that he played, it, dirty or not, I think it it depended on whether or not you you hated him or or rooted for him. Because if you rooted for him, you saw some of the hits that he put on, and and they were momentum shifting hits. You know, he he made an impact, and that was who he was, and that's who. Made, what made him a great player was the physicality and of course just the the smarts i mean he yeah. he was a very just smart player and, and and like Ira said i mean belichick would i'm sure uh agree with that so
0: okay ira one last question on the subject who's the long shot in this group that you'd most like to see make it to the next level to the top 15 we know guys like M- manning and woodson those guys are you know, slam dunks probably to be first ballot Hall of Famers. Um, we know Calvin Johnson's going to get in the next fifteen. We know some of the guys are going to make it. Um, the, the guys who were finalists last year, they're going to make it this year. But who's the long shot you'd like to see in this group
1: make it? I I, I think for me it, it would be Sam Mills. Oh, Sam yeah. Mills, because he's a guy, Clark. I don't think you judge him by the stats either. He's like a heart and soul candidate. Right. And, you know, they had some very good linebackers, the Saints. There's no question right. about it. Um, and, and, and Ricky Jackson's in the hall. Uh, yeah. But Mills was the heart and soul. Absolutely. Ask anybody who covered that same team. Um, he's, he's a very interesting candidate, Clark.
0: Yeah, I, I think I, I've got a couple guys, but um, Cornelius Bennett, I'm really glad to see in here. I'd like to see Clay Matthews just get to the the room so we can talk about him. I mean, what last year, let's get him in there. I want to hear what his candidacy is all about. But uh, anyway, uh, speaking of that, that next vote.
1: Uh, Hold hold on, hold on, Clark. Hold on. I must interrupt you at this moment. Otherwise, I will be lambasted by my local fan group. I'm going to substitute Sam Mills out and I'm going to throw in Rondé Barber. A versatile, walking statistic made the biggest play in franchise history. Clark, he's never been in the room. Get him in there and let me do my thing, hey, Ira, Mr. This Judge. Is,
0: this is not Georgia. We're not recounting the votes here, okay? I'm sorry. The polls are closed, all right? <laughs> you ever heard of a 30-30 man, Mr. Judge? I have. Rondé I know who you're looking at. <laughs> Rondé. Yeah, he's going to he's going to get in at one point. But I'm just saying this is Clay Massey's last shot. So anyway, uh, congratulations to all those people. Good luck going forward. Now we've got another vote. R and I have another vote along with 46 others to make it to 15. We have to cut this list from 25 to 15. And that vote is in December. And then the results are released in early January. And that's January of 2021. And frankly, speaking next year, Dom Flores. Yes, Dom Flores is the coaching candidate for next year's class of 2021 and guess what he's here and he's waiting to speak to us which he will right after this you're listening to the itest for two on fullpressradio.com welcome back to the itest for two i'm clark judge along with ira kaufman and we're joined now by a special guest and that would be hall of fame finalist tom flores now you probably know tom is a former raiders quarterback Raiders coach maybe Raiders broadcaster because he was but Tom is now the first candidate chosen from the new coaches category for the pro football Hall of Fame and he is a finalist for the class of 2021 now and now he's here with us and Tom first of all congratulations on being the first coaching candidate and second thanks so much for being
3: here and joining us oh you're welcome On, on both of those you're welcome. I waited a long time to get this close. I've been close before, but uh, this seems to be the closest uh, I've been a long time. But I'm not. I'm not getting too excited yet because <laughs> I've learned a little, long time ago: don't count yeah. anything until it's there. So we're we're, uh, we're anxiously waiting. It's just been a bizarre year. I mean, you guys. I mean, how how do you even approach something like this from uh, from your your vantage point? I mean, I don't know. I I talked to to. Uh, the people and with the Raiders, and they have to broadcast from Las Vegas when they're playing in New England. Yeah, they can't even go to the game uh, with the team. I see that, that's that's a, that is bizarre.
0: It is bizarre, and I think uh, we're going to have a first ever Zoom meeting. Uh, I reckon weigh in on this for the Pro Football Hall of Fame candidates when we, you know, meet supposedly meet uh, the day before the Super Bowl, and that's to vote on persons like yourself, candidates, finalists. But I reckon Wayne and this, I think we're going to do it by zoom. I don't think that we're going to meet down
1: in Tampa. I don't think there's any question. Um, That might hurt me Clark, because I like to stand up and uh, (laughs) make, make some Royal pronouncements. Tom, I've been trying to get John Lynch. You think you've been waiting. Mm -hmm. Um, This is eight. this is eight years for John Lynch, Tom. And um, it's been a rough go Tom.
3: Well, you know, there's so many worthy players, past players, coaches, uh, you know it's hard to squeeze them all in. Uh, you know, but uh, eventually, you, you live long enough, hopefully you, they'll all get in. But uh, let me ask you something: How they, how they, what do you, what are you guys, what's your perception on how they're going to handle this, uh, this Super Bowl? I mean, they're going
1: to, are they going to have an empty stadium for the Super Bowl? I think, um, I think there's going to be about fifteen thousand people, Tom, and I wouldn't be surprised, Clark, if the teams don't come into Tampa uh, until the end of the week. Yeah.
0: I, I agree with you. That'll be strange. Uh, you know what else is strange here? Tom's asking us the questions. I, I
2: thought we got asking the questions.
3: Well, I have a lot you're of better, questions. You better, better kick it off, Clark. Kick it off. <laughs> yeah, listen, I'm sitting here in Palm Springs and I I can't go anywhere. I have a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> We'd love to join you in Palm Springs, believe me. Um,
0: Tom, the first question I've got for you is, it's it, you know an obvious one, I'm sure you've been asked many, many times, but what was your first reaction when you got that phone call from David Baker saying, you're the first coaching candidate of this category, you're the first one, you're a finalist now, a finalist for the class of 2021?
3: Well, first of all, I, I had to take a deep breath because uh, it was a little emotional. I, I didn't think it would be because I've been, you know, I've been in finalists before and, and disappointed before and, and uh, but I have to admit it was, uh, it was emotional, I had a tear, I got a tear in my eye. because uh, this, you know, this is the this is culmination of, of my, uh, my passion, my lifelong passion, which I started years ago. I didn't realize that it was gonna go this far. In fact, in 1960, I was getting ready to take a teaching job in my hometown outside of Fres- in, in Fresno, California. My hometown is in Sanger, California in the Central Valley. And, and I said, well, this new league starting up. Maybe I'll give it one more shot. This would be my third shot trying to make this professional football business and see where it takes me. Well, that was 60 years ago. I'm still, I'm still involved. So uh, it gets quite emotional to start thinking back you start thinking about all the different things that happened along the way. That's a lot of, that's a lot of memories. Well, that leads me to my next question. By the way, that was a smart business
0: decision, Tom. Um, but when you think about all those things and those memories, who is the first person you thought of when you were told?
3: Wow, that's a good question. Yeah. Probably my mom and dad, uh, You know, my dad didn't know much about football. He came over from Mexico when he was 12 years old and, and um, they, uh, they were supportive all my life. And uh, he'd learned about football, loved, began to just loved it immensely at the end. Um, And uh, it'd be nice, it was hard to have everybody that you want to have there if it happens. But uh, those two, they were very important in my life.
1: just uh, the two of them and my brother. Hey Tom, I I want to ask you about a person close to your heart, which is your uh, your Super Bowl winning quarterback, Mister Jim Plunkett. Tom and Tom in nineteen eighty, I guess Pastorini got hurt and and, and you turned to Plunkett. Uh, Tom he threw five interceptions in, in that first game. <laughs> Um not a, so, not a very so good my, coming out party. <laughs> so my question to Tom Flores is, uh, Tom, did you have any idea, any inkling, that you could turn Plunkett's career around and any it could end up with with two Super Bowl rings with him? And he got the MVP, Tom. Uh, you know, uh, 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 of the Super Bowl. And what was what was your thinking about Plunkett, uh, b- before he emerged uh, as a standout? Tom, with the Raiders? Well,
3: I, I, you know, I, was, I had the advantage of uh, watching him grow up uh, and play uh, in, in the Bay Area when he was in the San Jose area. And at Stanford, I was with the Raiders in those days. And he always made big plays in big games. It uh, wasn't always pretty. He was like a big uh, Clydesdale, lumbering long. And, and, but he managed to get the job done. And uh, a great competitor, very quiet guy. Uh, and he was kind of a lot like me in, in some ways, as far as the quietness. And, uh, so, uh, I didn't even think about that. Uh, he threw five interceptions really. <laughs> I, believe I, I believe he did. I believe he did. Anyway, we had, uh, you know, we just, uh, had, went with him, and, uh, we had drafted Mark Wilson that year in the first round we had three number one draft choices as quarterbacks that year, Pastorini and, and Plunkett and, and Mark Wilson and somewhere along the list, one of them had to get the job done, but we weren't <laughs> thinking about down the road. We were thinking about the, tomorrow I mean, because there were a lot of rumors. I was getting, getting fired at, at that particular moment. And, uh, so we weren't thinking about down the road. We we're just thinking about that month. What can we do to get in the end zone period? And, um, our team rallied, uh, they had a bunch of characters on that team and a lot of veterans. And a lot of them had one or two good years left, and they gave it to us and uh, helped us win a Super Bowl. That was a, that was my, my most favorite of all the Super Bowls that I was involved in because of how we did it, how we did it, come back from adversity and being a wild card and and being in Oakland where the whole thing
1: started. Tom, I had John Gruden here for seven years in Tampa, and. We had a lot of conversations, Tom, over the years about what it's like to coach for Al Davis, and and he'd tell me some stories. And Tom, uh, you were there, uh, you know, early '80s. Uh, Al was at the peak of his powers. Uh, Tom, how would you describe what it was, what the work environment was for, for a towering figure like uh, like Al Davis and, and and you coaching?
3: Well, it was very intense at times. Um... He was a very uh, dedicated guy, and he kept he kept the hammer on. And uh, when things started getting nice and uh, smooth, he would throw a wrench in it
1: <laughs> and create <laughs> havoc.
3: And I think sometimes it's just to tick everybody off uh, and let you know that hey, I'm here. Watch out! <laughs> so, uh, I in fact, I remember one time after a game, he was really uh, just uh, just going. Uh, he was just upset about something that happened during the game and, and uh because he and i always talked after the game so i'm sitting here and i watched watching him looking at him i look at him and i said out and he's going he i said "Al, he said, Al." he said what we won the effing game <laughs> He goes, oh <laughs> he said okay yeah i know i know and he started laughing he said i know i'm crazy get it go 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 see your family have fun <laughs> but that's the kind of guy he was he would he was uh, intense, an incredible competitor, uh, but he also, he, he also had my back. I knew him a long time. He became one of my best friends over the course of that our lifetime and uh, because he was uh, loyal to you when you were loyal to him and, and no, nobody could really understand his, his passion for that. We're speaking with Hall of Fame finalist Tom
0: Flores on the eye test for two and Tom, um, I want to get back to you for a minute I just wondering how meaningful the Pro Football Hall of Fame is to you and if and when you are named, inducted, elected, how meaningful do you think your choice will be to the Hispanic community?
3: Well, it, it's very meaningful in, in that it's, you are being placed uh, in a room with so many luminaries that made this game that what it is today, going all the way back whenever. And um, I will be one of the few, one of the few, very few Hispanics in that room. And I didn't really realize it until years later after I did most of my uh, my work, how important it was to them when I traveled around the country and, and talked to somebody see you. My dad watched you play, or my grandfather watched you play and coach, and he cried. And I said, "What?" He cried, and I didn't even know the grandfather or the father or the mother, or whoever. Uh, that's how important it was to them. So then I started realizing, you know, this is a pretty unique situation to be in, and uh, and I could and I can remember as a young kid looking at. You know, Hispanic people in in uh, show business or in some way and and being proud, or just a San Joaquin Valley person. When I was a kid, watching uh, Bob Mathias win the of the, marathon, the uh, uh, decathlon. He was 17 years old, and I was a young kid myself. And he was from the, the valley, mm-hmm. and how proud I was of him. I didn't even know him, but it was just uh, you know you think about those things and. Um, I just, I just, uh, I'm glad I tell people, so I'm not going in if I go in by myself. I'm going in with a lot of people, Mm -hmm. a lot of fans, a lot of the Raider Nation. You know, we're not bad people. We just look bad when we show up at a game (laughs) in the parking lot. (laughs) Well,
0: I don't know that a lot of people know this, but you have four Super Bowl rings, not just two. You have one as a player. Uh, One as an assistant coach and two as a head coach Uh, of those four. Is there any that's more meaningful and more significant than the others?
3: Well, obviously the first one is always uh, the most, you know, because there's no guarantee you're going to be back. But as I said earlier, the uh, 1980 Super Bowl team, that I thought that was our finest hour because we did it, you know, with the, with the Jim Plunkett, we resurrected him. We had, we had traded for uh, Bobby Chandler. We had uh, Re- uh, Jim, um, Jim uh, Gino Shaw, Our Shell had another year left. We still had Ted Henriks. We still had, uh, uh, we got Burgess. We got a bunch of guys and we put them all together. And uh, we struggled and uh, we, we peaked at the right time. And it just showed, we showed what you could do with, with desire and uh, compassion and uh and dedication and uh we had it all that year and very quietly we snuck up on a few people and then we got to the playoffs. we were rolling
1: tom you had such incredible success tom with the silver and black and uh then you moved on uh to the pacific northwest tom and uh it didn't go the way you wanted for those three years in seattle uh tom any regrets about um what happened with the Seahawks and, and uh, how do you look back at those three years? Well, I look back,
3: uh, I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I mean, I had a chance to go up there. A friend of mine had purchased a team uh, and uh, he asked me to come up and run the team for him. The first three years I was there as president and general manager. And he said, run it as your own. He said, I'm not, he said, I don't know anything about this business. I need somebody that does. And so I did. I, and I was doing what I thought was right. And I said, you know we we need to we need to really overhaul this team because we're getting old and when uh, he wanted to make a change at the head coach uh i got excited he said you're my first choice if you don't want it, appoint hire somebody and continue well i got excited about it and the old uh, uh, adrenaline started flowing and i said well you know this is a chance to do to get back on the field do what i like to do and do what i love to do so i did and uh it just didn't work out we were and I told them what we were going to do. So we're going to probably look like an expansion team at the start, but we got to get key people. And um, I explained to them, designed what, you know, the way I was going to do it. And uh, I did it, but then all of a sudden it just uh, it didn't work out. Uh, you know, in this business, it, uh, it's what have you done this week? It's not what have you going to do in the future. It's you've got to win now. There's very little patience nowadays in professional sports, especially in football. You look at all the changes, 32 coaches and there's at least a half a dozen changes every year. That's that's a high percentage of guys getting fired.
0: All right, you ready? Okay, Tom, I've got one other, well, actually I got a couple others. We're gonna make this a little more difficult now. So I'm gonna put you in the dentist chair and ask you this question, if you have a choice put one former raider in the hall and ira already talked about jim plunkett but if you have a choice to put one of the former raiders in the hall and we're talking about all these guys at different times in that room only one who is it plunkett jack tatum lester hayes or cliff branch
3: Wow, pretty good choice yeah (laughs) but I, I, i I love all those guys. I think they all deserve to be in there, but I'd have to go with cliff. I took cliff as a rookie. I spent a week with him in Colorado. When we drafted him, he was running track and, and we're getting ready to, to, uh, to run in the Olympic trials in the hundred and he was a track guy that could play football. Um, so I, um, I nursed him. I held his hand. I spanked him. I hugged him. Uh, and he, uh, the first year, uh, was booed. Second year was booed third year made all pro and from then on it was history. And he was, he turned out to be an outstanding, you look at his record and you look at his playoff record, it's outstanding. It's incredible. There was fast. And then there was fast. Mm-hmm. Cliff Branch was, uh, was that guy. And he was a football player, showed that he was a football player and showed that he could, uh, overcome adversity and mistakes and you've made a few mistakes along the way but everybody does
0: yeah i know i spoke to you before we went on the air but i told you that I covered the chargers for many years i will tell you this tom the player they feared the most
3: was cliff branch yeah yeah because i got go one nine, to
1: nine yards you could go or he could go 10 or five absolutely um uh, tom one more from me uh, let's talk about the 83 team Tom, it was the first Super Bowl here in my hometown of Tampa, uh, January of 1984. And, Tom, I believe the Redskins uh, had just set the NFL record for scoring most points in a season. Uh, They had a heck of an offense. Deisman was, uh, you know, at his peak. Um, Tom, what were your thoughts going into um, that game against the Redskins uh, here in Tampa?
3: I thought going in that we, I said, we're going to have to outscore this bunch because they can, they can move the ball, they can score. And then the advantage that we had is we had played them earlier in the year and they had beaten us by, uh, by just two or three points in a high scoring g- game. I think it was 38 to 35 or something like that. So we knew that they could move the ball and we knew that we could move the ball against them. So that was uh, that was my primary concern. They were highly uh, uh, favored to beat to beat us, uh, but I also knew that we were peaking at the right time, and we had some players. I mean, we had you know, we had we still had Cliff Branch and Todd Christian and turned into a high scoring tight end and Blunkett and Marcus Allen was was uh, uh, you know I go on and on, and then defensively we had we were at a Pro Bowl squad, so we had done well in, re, in uh, you know in rehabbing our team, and um, so we uh, we had uh, I said you know we just had to make sure that we didn't make any mistakes, and we had also knew how to play in big games like that because we had this was our fourth our fourth Super Bowl for the Raiders. And it's something about knowing how to play in that game and how to prepare yourself to
0: play in that game that that helps. Tom, I've got a couple last ones for you. Um, I'll ask you this. I mean, you mentioned Todd Christensen. We talk about tight ends all the time. How come nobody ever talks about Todd Christensen? I mean, he was a great pass-catching tight end. I covered Winslow, but when you guys came to town, I I always noticed Christensen and how effective he was. But nobody talks about him anymore. I don't understand that.
3: Well, you're right. Nobody does. You know, he wasn't what you would call the complete tight end because he wasn't much of a blocker. Yeah, neither was Kellen. You know, he, but in today's marketplace, you know the way the ball is thrown today. Yeah. It's a passing game. He would be a superstar today. Absolutely. He was a superstar then. He yeah. caught a lot of balls. Oh. Uh, we took him. He was a running back out of BYU, and uh, so we I, I wasn't sure what to do with him, and and uh, decided we would use him as a utility guy, kind of fullback, hybrid, the old H back type they talked him talked about in those days. And uh, and then little by little you saw what he could do. And the one thing that he could do, he could run and he could get down the field. And we were one of the few teams that like to throw the ball to the tight ends down the field and the backs down the field. Uh, but when you talk about playing San Diego, Winslow, <laughs> yeah. And he, he, he was something so he was, was special So there was two tight ends. But there was a lot of talent on the field when we played San Diego. Fouts. Of no question and There was another guy we knew we couldn't stop. We're playing Fouts. And uh in in the 1980, we're playing him in the, in the championship game to go to the Super Bowl in San Diego. And uh we've got the ball, and there's about six and a half minutes left. And Ted Hendricks, I'm talking to Plunkett. I'm trying to explain we can't do this, we can't do that, we're gonna have to make sure we throw the ball because we can't be too conservative. And uh, uh, Hendricks comes over and says, Coach, Plunk, don't let them have the ball back. We can't stop (laughs) them. And you didn't. You didn't. No, I looked over my shoulder and I said, what the – Get out of here! I'm trying to give my quarterback <laughs> some instructions, and that's the instructions you give them. And and we didn't. We had we held the ball. We ended up dinking the ball a little bit to Mark Van Egan of all people. Yep. And uh, but that was a great game. That was that that, that San Diego team was really a good team. That was good. It was very good.
0: Um, those Raiders are really good too. And as you know, everyone knows, of course, they're gone from Oakland forever. Um, I'm wondering, as as somebody who's from the Valley, somebody who played with Oakland, someone who coached Oakland, you certainly coached the LA Raiders too, but now that they're gone from
3: Oakland forever, how does that make you feel? Uh-huh. I don't like it. I feel, I, I still feel funny about it because they belong in Oakland. I still yep. feel, I, I've said that all along with all disrespect to Las Vegas. and uh, But uh, I said that when we went to LA, I said that when we came back to Oakland and, and I'll say it now they belong in Oakland because that's where it started. That's where I started 60 years ago in Santa Cruz, California. We started our training camp, but, uh, it just didn't work out. Oakland just didn't have the resources to, to keep them. You look at the stadium that they're building now. And they, I mean, the, the whole game, the dynamics around it has changed so dramatically. I mean, it's just incredible.
0: Um, one last one, Tom, and I apologize. I said it two more. I've, actually, this is the third one. So this is the last one. And this is a tough one also. If, if you had to propose the next coaching candidate, the next coaching candidate, who would it be and why?
3: Next coaching candidate. Uh, to go I'll, tell you who
0: we've had, I'll tell you, who we've had, we've had Corey all up, buddy Parker, Schottenheimer's been up. Uh, Holmgren's been up. There, there, are numbers like that. I don't know if they, you know, uh, Clark Shaughnessy's and other guys been spoken about in the senior meetings. But um, who would you, who would you get behind as the next
3: guy? Well, that'd be hard to do. I think Corey L would have to be one of the guys because, uh, be, and, and not because you know he never got to the Super Bowl. But if you really know football, he was. Incredibly brilliant offensively, mm-hmm. and uh, you're talking about about the West Coast offense. He was the West Coast offense early, early way before. His, he was that way when he was at St. Louis, um, and he brought to see. He was he was brilliant, but he, he just didn't uh, he didn't get to that big game, uh, and unfortunately, sometimes that's the barometer for for the hall. But um, those are pretty good coaches there. Yeah, those uh, are good coaches, uh,
0: and, and unfortunately, that is held against him. Uh, I already knows that in that room that always comes up. Um, but anyway, um, that's for another discussion. Tom, can't thank you enough for joining us. Uh, again, congratulations on your nominations, the Coaching candidate for 2021. And since we're doing it this week, happy Thanksgiving to you, Tom.
3: Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving, guys. You guys enjoy yourselves, and uh, we'll see you down the road. Hope Appreciate so. it, Tom. Yeah, All that right, was a pleasure,
0: Tom. Thank you. That was former Raiders quarterback and coach Tom Flores, and now Hall of Fame finalist Tom Flores. And uh, Ira, I, I, I can't agree more with what he said about Oakland. I know it's not going to happen. Um, they're not going back to Oakland. But I also, I think, probably agree with him on Cliff Branch. You're in those senior meetings. Cliff Branch gets a lot of um, conversation, doesn't he?
1: He really does. I mean, you should you know hear John Madden talk about him. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, Flores and. You know, to say he was the first deep receiver ever, I I think that's a disregard maybe for a Bob Hayes or or guys like that. But um, Clark, you made the key point. You're drawing up a game plan against the 1980 Raiders. You better stop Cliff Branch. Better stop Cliff Branch. Yep, the guy could really, the guy could really, really go deep.
0: Where are you going with this one? This is the weekly I was there segment. Where are you going? You putting this in the time machine? Where are
1: we going? Clarky, yeah, I got a special one for you. This is just for you because you need a nice laugh here in late November. <laughs> I go into the holidays. Okay. This is my favorite John Gruden story, and I got a lot of them. And I guarantee, Clark, <laughs> that the punchline, I'm glad you're sitting down because you are going to laugh when I come to it. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Here we go. <laughs> November 3rd, 2002, Buccaneer Championship season. Minnesota Vikings roll into town against the big, bad Bucks, And I talk to Gruden Clark in the middle of the week, and I grab him aside, and I say, now, you know, John, I know you've been looking at last year's game against Minnesota, but I got to tell you, I was in the stadium, and Michael Stott ran for 129 yards and three touchdowns. And by the third quarter, they didn't want to tackle Mike Allstock. They wanted nothing to do with them. And I don't know if that comes off on film, but I just want you to know that. He looked at me and goes, uh, okay, okay, Kaufman, okay. All right, four days later, game day. Here come the Vikings. Final score, Bucks 38, Vikings 24. Clark Brad Johnson throws five touchdown passes. (laughs) Allstock's stat line, 26 carries, 55 yards. 26 for 55. Clark. Post game, I'm in the locker room. I'm talking to Johnson. Got my tape recorder going. Somebody taps me on the shoulder. I look around. Eh, it's you know, it's one of Gruden's uh, assistants. I go, "What's up?" He says, "Coach wants to see you in the hallway." I said, "I'm doing an interview." He says, "Now he wants to see you." Well, I shut off my tape recorder. I walk out into the hallway. Clark, you got to remember, the Bucs just won a big game by 14 points. I go up to and He's leaning up against the wall. Coach, you want to see me? Yeah, as a matter of fact, I want to I, I, I see you, Ira. I said, what's up? He goes, I only got one question for you, Kaufman. Which one of those two-yard runs by all did you like the best? <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> i could not believe it clark i had no answer for the man and i go well they must have geared up to stop him because you scored 38 freaking points gruden and he had to get that dig in on me clark he had to and that is my favorite john gruden story
0: Hey, Ira, does this mean that you're not going to be drawing up the plays this week at one Bucks place?
1: That... <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid to say anything to Arians at this point. Uh, with, with that in the background, uh, 26 carries, 55 yards, Clark. <laughs> well, you got me laughing. Thanks very much. I appreciate it.
0: <laughs> hey, Ira, any final thoughts here this week? Any final thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think something that you will second me on, Clark. I wish a very speedy recovery, for Joe Burrow, who has had a fantastic attitude about this severe knee injury. Clark, he, he's hes had a remarkable rookie year. Mm-hmm. He's thrown 404 balls. Clark, he's been picked off five times. Yeah. Um, you know, A.J. Green looks every bit of 32. Joe Mixon's been hurt. Clark, this kid's going to have a heck of a career in the NFL. I wish him a speedy recovery.
0: Yeah, so do I. And, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I – do think about him, but I'll be honest with you. I, I think probably more about uh, Hall of Famer Floyd Little. I don't know if you're aware of it, Ira, but um, he is a he's a charter member of the uh, Broncos Ring of Fame, and uh, he was battling cancer and has been battling cancer and was recently moved into hospice. Um, Floyd Little was a great player. He brought credibility to that struggling franchise, and he is is a better individual. So my thoughts are with him as well as Joe Burrow. Anyway, that's going to do it. Ira, as usual, tell them where they can find you on Twitter. At iKaufman76, my friend. Okay, and me, you can find me at, at Clark Judge, T-O-F, and Ian?
2: It's uh, at I-G-L-E-N 31.
0: Thanks. And thanks again for listening, and everyone, Ian, Ira, our listeners, everyone, have a happy Thanksgiving. You've been listening to The iTest Test for Two on FullPressRadio.com.